faithwire.com. The deadline is tomorrow to get out of Afghanistan, and hundreds of Americans are still trapped behind enemy lines. Today's Monday, August 30th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you with us and joining me as always. It's Trey Goins Phillips from FaithWire.com with a look at what's coming up. How's it going, Trey? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday. Yes, sir. You too. So today we're going to talk about Bill Maher because he is shredding the woke complainers (laughs) who are attacking America, telling them what real oppression is. Uh, Then Hurricane Ida, uh, the damage there is still being assessed, but it's not looking good so far. Just tragic, tragic pictures coming out of of what's going on there. And then uh, Christian schools are vastly outperforming public schools amid the pandemic, according to a new survey, uh, which is, I don't know, Dan, not a big surprise to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not a big surprise, especially I just saw there's a tweet going viral of um, of one of, you know, some big school uh, advocate, you know, one of these union people talking about how eh, it's all right if, if they're a little bit lagging behind, as long as they know that now they know the difference between uh, riot and protest. So <laughs> right, yeah, it's got people saying like, OK, I think we've our decision here has been settled and confirmed that we're happy with our decision not to be. <laughs> Getting yeah. that indoctrination. So, yeah, there's sure. that. All right, let's uh, dive right in. I mean, this is not going to be letting up, obviously, anytime soon, even though the deadline is tomorrow. But our, our heroes were returned home this weekend. We have the moving pictures over on faithwire.com and cbnnews.com of our fallen military servicemen and women who were killed in that horrific suicide bombing outside of Kabul airport being brought home in flag drape coffins. President Biden, First Lady, were there um, watching on as the solemn and dignified ceremony transfer took place. Obviously tragic to see, um, but the deadline is still imminent and there are still Americans in harm's way. And here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Hundreds of Americans Stuck behind Afghanistan enemy lines with no way out, according to figures by the Biden administration. And they're giving mixed messaging about those Americans that are still left. And it's it's drawn heavy criticism. The Biden administration, they've said that they don't have the exact numbers of how many people are there, how many Americans are there. So they won't give you an exact number. They say, here's a ballpark. They also say they won't stop working until they get everyone out. But then reporters have asked, well... How will you know when that is if you don't have an exact number of how many people are there? And then that's when they just, the administration refers back to the August 31st deadline. So there's kind of this circular thing happening here. And uh, I'm sure the people that are trapped in Afghanistan, if you're an American citizen, that kind of logic is not probably leaving them with much hope. And um, the other disturbing thing here is as we learn more and more about how all of this went down, the fall of Kabul and Afghanistan, there are some troubling details. First, a Vice report from an embedded reporter claimed that Afghan soldiers he was embedded with, they were setting up for a big battle with the Taliban. They knew the Taliban was coming, and they were setting up their lines. They were ready to fight. And then they were ordered to stand down. And 
that a, that a deal had been made with the Taliban and so they weren't to fight. So that everyone is saying, you know, the narrative was going around that, well, these Taliban, we just we just uh, trained them all and then they didn't know how to fight and they didn't have courage. Well, it sounds like they were given an order. And so they were just following that order, at least according to this vice reporter. And he was embedded with one of the elite true, uh, you know, uh, regiment there in, in the Afghan army. And so they said that's why they stopped. They were ready to fight. So that kind of bucks the narrative that's been going around, um, kind of maligning these Afghan soldiers that we trained. Um, so who authorized that deal? Who gave the orders? How far up does that order go? Does it go outside the Afghan government? Does it involve foreign governments? We don't have the answers to that part of the puzzle just yet, but I have a, I have a feeling we're going to see more investigations into that as time goes on. The second part of the puzzle is more clear, and it's equally as disturbing, and that's number two here on this story. As the Afghan army was giving way, as they were ordered to stand down, the Taliban took Kabul far faster than anyone thought as a result. And U.S. military leaders were then speaking with the Taliban. They were speaking specifically with Taliban leader Abdul Ghani Baradar. And he said, he, this is what he said to U.S. military, we've got two options here to deal with this. You, the United States military, take responsible for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. This is according to the Washington Post and their reporting. And because of Biden's insistence on drawing down the troops, securing the city would have required more troops. So they chose that they, that they only should take the airport and that the Taliban would be the ones that would be responsible for the rest of the city. The Taliban said they had no intention of taking control of Kabul that day. Prior to Afghan President Ghani's departure, the U.S. had not anticipated it either, as uh, several top officials had reportedly been on vacation. That's another piece of this. <laughs> Secretary of State uh, Blinken was partying in the Hamptons while Afghanistan was crumbling. Kind of reminds me of John Kerry kite surfing as ISIS gained power <laughs> yeah. in the Middle East. And then again, when Egypt fell into chaos. Uh, and so the same thing was happening here. They're vacationing, all these key officials. So... So now you have all these American officials on vacation. They couldn't be bothered as Afghanistan's tumbling into chaos. And then that required someone to step in. And the U.S. decided that it should be the Taliban to secure the perimeter of the city. And that, of course, led to what we saw, more American troops having to be set, sent in, chaos at the airport, people trying to flee, and then hundreds of dead people, including 13 Americans, because of a suicide bombing that was attracted there because of these huge crowds. So number three, why does it matter? Well, decisions have consequences. And while getting out of Afghanistan was a popular idea among Americans, and, and still is, I believe, the execution of our departure has been an unmitigated disaster. There's no denying that both the left and the right have been criticizing the administration on that front. And as Christians, our first and last defense is always prayer. And so just be praying for anyone still trapped in Afghanistan, Christians or Americans or whoever it might be that wants to get out, because it seems that God and God alone is, is pretty much the only one left that's going to be able to save them at this point. Yeah, and you know, it's frustrating that um, when, whenever like a, a tragic shooting or something happens, here at home, uh, the the immediate response from 
a lot of Christians and certainly conservatives is to say, you know, thoughts and prayers or we're you're praying for the victims, yeah. you know, whatever, want to help comfort them. And then the response from the left is always, that's not enough. We need immediate pressure and we need action like right now. Right. Uh, but now all of a sudden when it comes to what's happening in Afghanistan, I don't know if you've noticed the stand, but every single Biden official, military official, what there's, it's really not the appropriate time right now to be critical. Like you really shouldn't <laughs> right. be saying anything shouldn't right now. Know. We'll have time later on, like months from now, where we can look back and we can reassess and we can kind of play Monday morning quarterback. But right now is just not the time for any sort of political pressure or criticism because it's just not appropriate. Right. I've got a, uh, I've got a I'm barbecue thinking, oh. to get back to at the Hamptons. I mean, yeah, geez. Like, hmm. Interesting how that works. And also, too, speaking of the barbecuing and the vacationing and all of that, like I remember what, you know, during Trump's presidency, you know, somebody sneezed and it was awful that Biden, that, you know, Trump was off golfing. Like, right. could you, can you believe that this guy is sneezing and our president is just playing golf? <laughs> um, and it's just, uh, so, you know, that was just like the evergreen story. Uh, but right. we don't see many of no. those stories about, um, you know, Biden administration officials vacationing and hobnobbing wherever they want to while you know cobble is crumbling yes yes so. indeed it is a troubling circumstance and the media hypocrisy is never going to be hard to spot it's, it seems to always be around but uh but yeah nevertheless this deadline is rapidly approaching and um i have a feeling sure. we're only going to see more chaos uh in the coming mm -hmm. days and um hopefully it's just not as bad as everyone thinks it's going to be so yeah, regardless, there's plenty to pray about. Yep. So, all right, story number two. So Bill Maher uh, seems to be in a political camp all alone these days. Like he's he's just a, a one-man island when it comes to his political opinions. Uh, so in his opening monologue Friday, he tore into leftists who are hating on America, telling them to have a little perspective because there's a reason Afghan mothers are handing their babies to us. And he was referring to that, uh, you know, now super viral famous video of, of a mother lifting um, her ba baby up, up up over the barrier and into Kabul airport handing them to uh, to an American military official uh, so here are three things you need to know we'll start number one with the details so Mar made the comments which we're about to play for you after learning about the Taliban's murder of a Kandahar police officer and social media comedian known as Kasha Zwan. Uh, he was tortured and executed by the terrorist group recently. Uh, so to those struggling or, or suggesting that America is, is just this bad, awful place to be, here's what Marr had to say. Have a little perspective about the stuff we howl about here. I'm, I'm sorry your professor said something you didn't like. That won't be a problem with the Taliban because you're not allowed to go to school. In Saudi Arabia, grown women can be jailed for doing the kind of things we think of as routine without the permission of a male guardian. China rounds you up if you're a, the wrong religion and puts you in camps. More children in Burkina Faso work than are in school. Only 5% of Burundians have electricity. The homicide rate in Honduras is eight times what it is here. The inflation rate in Venezuela is 2,719%. The Philippines, in the last five years, has put to death 27,000 low-level drug dealers. My old job. <laughs> in North Korea, people starve to death. The only people who starve here are doing it for a role. 
And the only people who have no water live in California. If you think America is irredeemable, turn on the news or get a passport and a ticket on one of those sketchy airlines that puts its web address on the plane. There's a reason Afghan mothers are handing their babies to us. So he he went on it. it, it it's a great monologue, although I have to warn you, it does have some language yeah, in it. A little bit, yeah. You know, it's, that's Bill Maher's style, yes. so you can't get away from the language entirely. But the link to the full video is on faithwire.com if you want to watch all of it. So uh, number two, just an observation. Later in the monologue, he said that any immigrant will, quote, tell you that we've largely succeeded at eliminating oppression in the United States, despite the overriding thrust of current woke ideology that says America is rotten to the core. Uh, he added uh, that Americans should learn from the situation in Afghanistan about what real oppression looks like, you know, saying that this that's that's not what we have here. He yeah. said hey, you can talk to any Afghan refugee or immigrant coming to the United States and ask them, you know, do they have do you have beheadings? Do you have public stonings? Can you be caned for something? Uh, you know, are there forced marriages to underage children? Uh, and the answer to all of that, of course, is is no. Uh, so, you know, he, he just, just made it clear uh, that what we're whining about pales in comparison uh, to what's happening in places around the world and certainly in Afghanistan. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Mars absolutely right. I've always thought, Dan, that we just sound so spoiled. Uh, when we're complaining about uh, freedoms and oppression in the yeah. United States, uh, when when the rest of the world is is in the chaos that it is, or so much of the rest of the world is, of course we have problems just like any other country because we're made up of of human beings and we live in a fallen, broken world. We're all sinful, uh, but the U.S. has certainly created the freest and most prosperous society in the world. And I, you know, I just think that we do well to remember that every once in a while to remember our own context uh, before we start start whining about about something as certainly as believers we're we are blessed of god to be able to live in in the place we do in the time we do yeah a hundred percent and um i had a similar feeling to what mar had the other day when when uh when haiti had that earthquake i still I, a couple yeah. people i met there when i was reporting there that i you know, just kind of stayed in contact with here and there when something happens in haiti ask them if they're all right that kind of thing and so after the earthquake, I, I messaged uh, this one uh, guy and I said, you know, how you doing? Oh, we're OK. You know, our houses all got crushed, but we're out in the street. But, you know, we're good. He said, how are you guys doing? How's everything up there? You know, and you just feel so ridiculous. Like, how do, how do you even answer that? Here's a guy who's living in the poorest country on Earth and they just had an earthquake. Whatever house he has got crushed and he's in the street and he's asking me how I, how could I... What am I supposed to say? Well, I'm pretty busy at work and uh, family, you know, I got kids and oh, it's crazy. <laughs> like it all pales in comparison. Right. And and yeah, um, for sure, it, it just feels silly. And so I think that's kind of what Mara was tapping into. Like, you know, sure, I mean, you can argue for the way culture should be and society should be fine. But the way it's presented is so life and death. Like like he said, a professor said, you didn't use the right pronouns for me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, you know, you yeah. curl up at a ball in the corner. Meanwhile, over there in Afghanistan, you got Taliban hunting down door to door anyone who doesn't believe like they do, and they might kill them. So yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Look, I think it's there's no doubt that our freedoms, which I'm I'm eternally grateful for and 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 hope to preserve, uh, but there is no doubt that it has turned us into 
<laughs> wimps maybe yeah. is a, yes. a good i don't know i think we're, you're right we seemingly no, I think you're right. Are, we're offended by pretty much anything. anything and i feel like anybody certainly the people in afghanistan but anybody who looked at us would be like are you insane yeah like are you really that upset about that so you know yeah. i think we just need to put on our put on our big boy and big girl pants <laughs> and and deal with it because yes. we are incredibly blessed indeed i agree with that uh one thousand percent let's uh Let's move on to story number three here. Hurricane Ida that's done some serious damage and we're just starting to see today kind of the images of that devastation that it's wrought around uh, the, the southern, southeastern part of America here. here. So here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. At least one person's dead and nearly half uh, the state of Louisiana is without power, including the entire city of New Orleans. State officials have begun search and rescue efforts. Ida has, it has since weakened down to a tropical storm, but uh, meteorologists are still warning that there is going to be a lot of flooding, a lot of rain, still a lot of wind, uh, and a lot of damage up here as it heads up inland into the United States uh, further in, inland. So Louisiana Governor uh, John Bell Edwards said Hurricane Ida left behind catastrophic damage. And the focus of state officials now is to su- conduct those search and rescue efforts. And he said, we're still in a life-saving mode here, doing search and rescue. The roads, the highways into the most affected area were completely clogged with debris, down power lines, trees. The governor said officials are making good progress since starting ground search and rescue operations uh, this morning at daylight. And uh, none of Louisiana's levees failed during uh, the hurricane, though. That's, uh, That's good news. And that's what the governor referred to it as. Especially good news, considering that this is the exact day that Hurricane Katrina hit. So, I mean, a repeat would have been disastrous. But just, you know, just looking back on that date, I mean, you think about how awful that was when people were trapped on their roofs and everything else. So thankfully, we haven't had a repeat of that. Uh, President Biden is speaking on Hurricane Ida relief efforts, and he will meet with FEMA's Deanne Criswell and governors and mayors from states and cities affected by Ida after the storm made landfall this weekend. And so number two, there was a bizarre exchange on Sunday as Biden, this was kind of part of, he was talking about the storms. And then he said, I'm not supposed to take questions, but did. And then the question was about Afghanistan and he walked away. It was a bizarre exchange. So we'll we'll play it for you real quick here because it's short. Commissioner, I I really think it all works. I'm I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on Afghanistan? I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Can you say if there's still an okay. risk? So, and then he walked away right after that. So, so the reason to bring that up, when this kind of ties to number three, why it matters, is, you know, not only should we be looking for ways to help, um, which we should, Operation Blessing is, is on the ground. They're mobilizing. They're providing life-saving needs. Just go to ob.org. It's CBN's charity arm there. They're doing great work down there. They are they are tracking ahead of the storm, too, to be ready for where it hits. Um, so you can always give to them if you want to help. But we also need to pray because just watching Joe Biden, I mean, politics aside here, regardless of if you're a Democrat or Republican, it's it's honestly getting to just be it's it's almost sad to a point, Trey. I mean, he it just doesn't seem like he's able. It just doesn't seem like he's with, and I don't know, maybe he is behind the scenes, but just watching it, he just looks lost and confused. I mean, and saying things like, I'm not supposed to take questions. Well, who is telling you this, that you're the president of the United States? 
You know, yeah. you're supposed to be the one in charge. It just doesn't feel like someone's in charge. Yeah, that's what what's so odd to me is that when he says like oh, I've got a list of the journalists I'm supposed to I'm supposed to call on <laughs> right uh, and the, and he just is it's so open about it yeah uh, and then also will say I'm not supposed to take questions and I'm thinking each time he says something like this I think you're the leader of the free world I mean you 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 are sit, sitting in the most powerful seat uh, in the world. <laughs> Right. I mean, as you, far as as far as leaders go. Uh, so I don't you know, you don't really need to say that I'm not supposed to take questions or these are the journalists I'm allowed to call on. Like, no, I mean, you, you're the president, so you can call on anybody you want to. You right. can talk to anybody you want to. Uh, so I think the question or the issue more is that he doesn't want to do it or he or maybe his his staff fears he's incapable of doing it. Yeah. I don't know what the situation is, uh, but it certainly is odd like you said i mean at best it's a weird situation to right. see uh, the president behaving the way he is both with his seemingly pretty low energy uh, but also with his uh, you know I, i'm not supposed to take questions comments or these are the only reporters i'm allowed to call on uh, it's odd it's weird yeah yeah it really is and uh, i mean at the very least we need to be praying for him um yeah. because you know the country needs a leader regardless of if they have the policies you like or not, um, the country needs at least someone who's, you know, has all of their faculties about them and can actually make decisions and make sound decisions. Um, and, it, you know, just just watching Biden speak lately and throughout kind of the early stages of his presidency, it's hard. It's just hard to get that sense. And maybe maybe it's just me. But I mean, I certainly just think you can't go wrong anyway, praying for your leaders. So I guess we'll, yeah. we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that there on that one. And also just praying for everyone. In the storm's path, and again, can't stress enough. Go to go to Operation Blessing website at ob.org. All right, story number four. So, at the height of the COVID pandemic, Christian education has shined. Um, so, here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. So, while only eight percent of public school parents could say that their kids' schools never closed. 26% of parents with kids in Christian schools could say that, according to a newly released survey by the Herzog Foundation. So 80% of Christian school parents said they are satisfied with their children's experiences, while 55% of parents with kids in public schools are satisfied. I will tell you, Dan, that 55% is a higher number than I was expecting, mm. um, but 80% still far outshines 55%. Yes. Um, so the study also revealed that 41% of public school parents are unsatisfied with their child's education uh, during COVID, even if they're satisfied with other things, with maybe contact with parent, with, with, with teachers and with principals and all that. Uh, that may be going well, but they're not happy with what their kids are learning in the classroom. Uh, so one of the study's authors, Todd Graves, he wrote, the survey found that during the pandemic, Christian school parents found it easier to manage their child's time communicate with teachers, manage their child's assignments, and were better able to keep up their child's morale than the parents of children in public schools. In addition to COVID-induced restrictions, parents are also worried about the public school systems infusing critical race theory into their curricula. 70% of respondents said they do not believe their children's schools should be teaching that, quote, white people are inherently privileged and black people and other minorities are oppressed. So number two is just an observation here. This is certainly, you know, it's not surprising at all. Uh, in late July, CBN reported a major spike in the number of parents homeschooling their kids. Uh, in Virginia alone, that's where I am, their CBN is headquartered. 
there was almost a 50% increase in homeschoolers over the previous year. And a lot of those parents are reworking their schedules now to continue keeping their kids uh, at home mm. instead of sending them back into school. Uh, so that's a, I mean, that's a huge, yeah. uh, a huge increase. Uh, and it's interesting to see so many parents who are saying, you know, we both had full-time careers, but we're going to rework our schedules uh, so that we can keep our kids home instead of sending them back into the public school system uh, because they've seen so much, you know, so much has been revealed over the last year and a half. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Look, like I said, parents have learned so much over the last year and a half, nearly two years about just how broken our school systems are. Uh, and it you know goes way past COVID restrictions, as we've talked about several times here on the podcast. We've got stories on CBN News and Faithwire.com uh, covering you know CRT and all kinds of stuff that's happening uh, in schools. So, Dan, I think it's encouraging to see private schools doing so well. I grew up going to private schools, uh, and it's awesome to see parents getting involved and doing what they need to do to ensure their kids yeah. are getting a quality education, even if that means homeschooling. And I know that's what you and your wife do, and yep. has been awesome for you. And I, you know, so many parents, homeschooling is just like a, you know a great route for them. And there's so many resources now that didn't exist even five years ago. Right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and it, it is interesting to see parents kind of being forced to sort of reevaluate um, just how they think about education. I think I think we've just so been, it's just been ingrained that this is the way it's done. Yeah. And it's it's very cookie cutter. And, you know, I, look, public school teachers are great. There's so many great teachers. Sure. I, I, you know, I, I think, at least for us, you know, speaking personally here, j- just the system and kind of the way some things are set up is what I think a lot of people have an issue with, um, where yeah. it's difficult to, how do you, how do you properly address a student who's advanced or one that's slow when you have 30, 35 kids in a classroom, right? Like it's just much more difficult to do it that way. So yeah. anyway, yeah. So, but just the fact that COVID has forced people that are not happy with the way public schools have handled it, maybe some private schools have handled it, then they've just kind of relooked at it. And and I think you're seeing a lot of choices being made. I saw an interesting stat tray um, from, from a homeschooling group you know, because we follow those now, now that we're in that world. <laughs> but I think it was in the 1970s, only 13,000 families homeschooled across America. 13,000. That was it. And now we're, it's a well into the millions. It might even, I forget what the number was now, but it's maybe 10 wow. million or something like that. Um, so, yeah, crazy, crazy. And, and I think you're seeing kind of a tectonic shift in how people are viewing a, their schooling choices right now. Yeah, I mean, just twelve months turned the the perspective <laughs> yeah. of the entire yeah. country on on homeschooling because it used to be like anathema in a in, in public discussion. Yeah. Like homeschoolers were weird; uh, they were backwoodsy, <laughs> whatever. And now it's like this isn't this isn't so bad. This is not a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the numbers are just are are like you said, completely shifting. It's interesting to see how short of a time period it's taken for that shift to happen. Yeah, and same with and same with private school too. Like people going yeah. in that direction because I. Because, like you said, they in the statistics there, many of them stayed open and didn't close. And I think Babylon B had an article that said it was a joking thing, saying more people are are homeschooling because they didn't want their kid to be, you know, viewed as weird and awkward. And it's it's a picture of all those kids, you know, at public school lined up with masks on and you know spread out, <laughs> hands up, all that stuff. So kind of kind of flipping the tables, like who's the weird ones now? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but. But same thing with, uh, you know, private schools as well, because they obviously handled handled it a lot differently than um, than a lot of the public schools did, by and large, by and large. So 
Yeah, Interesting sure. stuff there. All right, that is all the time we have for this episode of the 4 and 3 podcast. Again, don't forget to subscribe over there on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and always head over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We'll be back here with more tomorrow, the deadline for United States to get out of Afghanistan. We'll see what happens there. We'll have the latest. God bless.